0: You're listening to E Commerce Marketing School presented by Privy. And a big thank you to our co sponsors of the show, Suna and Hashtag Paid. And now, a quick shout out to a giant pain in the butt for e com stores everywhere getting the right photos and videos to sell your products. Here's the truth not a single transaction happens on the internet that doesn't involve a visual. If you're in e commerce, you need professional photos. That's Suna. They're the virtual content studio. Join over 10,000 merchants who get high quality creative by simply shipping their product, joining their shoot online and paying for the photos they need as they go. Oh, and those photos, they're only $39 each. Your pain point is about to be your secret weapon. Get started today at Suna.co. That's S-O-O-N-A.co.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Brand Builders on eCommerce Marketing School. My name's Brooke Bird, and I'm the SVP of brand marketing at Attentive, the parent company of Privy. So in this segment, I get to chat with some incredible founders and brand builders to hear their stories of how they've helped create not just successful companies, but brands that people love. So today you'll hear from Sean Sutherland. He's founder and creative director of Studio Number Nine, a design consultancy that focuses on helping brands with their overall identity, packaging and art direction. He's also a founder himself, having started up a beverage company called Sunny, which we'll chat more about later on. So I'm really excited to have Sean join us as the visual and the design component of a brand is really important and he's an expert in this space. He's worked with brands like Bonobos, Bombas, Harry's, Mack Weldon, SeatGeek, and many more. So now onto my chat with Sean. All right, so I wanted to start this off with a little bit of a fun fact. So Sean and I actually worked together what feels like eons ago now at Berlin Cameron, a boutique ad agency in New York. So we were on the studio side and we were responsible for making sure all the ads that go out for our customers that were on billboards and magazines all were set up right and looked good. And we also worked with the creative team on new business pitches. So this was really my first real world experience into the world of brand. And it was where I could see that there was a lot of professional value in being creative, that it could really be a differentiator. So that's where I learned a ton from Sean. And we've stayed in touch since as he's gone on to work for some really incredible consumer brands. So to kick things off, you know, Sean, this is called Brand Builders. So would love to start with how would you define a brand?
2: Sure. You know, it's kind of like a loaded question in a way. And I think it's also kind of hard to clearly define like what a brand is. But for me, I think it's about This lasting impression or or the perception that's left on a consumer and you know your brand is this like image that consumers immediately have when they hear your name whether it's you know a product a service things like that you know you think of like your senses what you taste what you touch what you smell what you hear things like that usually there's always some type of brand that comes to mind when you see that so it's uh yeah you know it's all about this lasting impression that's left on on you as a consumer. I think that's what helps clearly define what like a quote unquote brand is.
1: Right, I like that idea of lasting impression, like how your brand stays in their head after you're done actively marketing to them. You know, what are they thinking about your company now? So Sean, you've gone on to start studio number nine, where you work with a ton of different companies to help get started with their packaging, their overall brand identity, art direction, digital comms, et cetera. So what is the typical profile of the kind of brands that you work with there?
2: Uh, so I would say it's mostly fashion lifestyle based brands, because that's what has been so heavy in my career, but also a lot of DTC e-com brands. And, you know, it's not necessarily these are like early stages. These are sometimes you know, very established brands. And so... But beyond that, you know, occasionally these random jobs will come up that I call like design sprints that, you know, can usually take two, three, four weeks. Um, you know, they could be print focused projects. They could be online focused projects, whether it's like email blasts, display, content for social, you know, things like that. But I would say overall, a lot of it is most like fashion lifestyle brands. Um, Got it. But I think it's also spirits brands, um, CPG brands, things like that.
1: So when you're working with these companies, are typically they coming to you to build something from scratch, like they're just getting off the ground, or are they thinking about their brand identity a couple of years down the road and saying, you know, this doesn't really fit who we are today. We want to refresh this. So what's that distribution like for you?
2: Uh, It's kind of a mix. You know, selfishly, it's great to take on projects from the ground up, you know, work so closely with the CEO, co-founder, you know, whatever the case may be figuring out the strategy, and then from there, blowing it out into what the creative could be. But at the same time, not every project works that way. You know, sometimes projects will be seasonally focused, let's say like a creative campaign for holiday. Sometimes uh, it's like a six to nine month engagement that is like a full identity project that could translate on full e comp site, things like that. But it it really is like a, a pretty wide mix of work.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm really excited to be able to have you here and talk about this because, you know, I think with founders that come on this show, there's so many things that go into starting up a company. Mm-hmm. And sometimes one thing that can get left by the wayside, or, you know, let's deal with that later, is the creative or core visual identity side of a brand. So I'd love to hear more from you on that first piece there of why do you think that visual identity is something founders should care about earlier on? Mm-hmm. And how do you kind of go about that process?
2: So I used to freelance at this agency that was very heavy on the strategy side of things and would spend a lot of time analyzing and focusing on words on a page. Now, there's a lot more involved than just words on a page, but they really wouldn't show anything creative until this like strategy phase was complete. I think that, you know, it's very easy to want to get into creative logotypes, typefaces, colors, things like that. But at the same time, a lot of the projects I do, especially if they're very early on, you start with strategy. We don't really get into creative until, you know, six to eight weeks into the project, because I'm a firm believer that strategy helps define what your creative will be. Now, whether your creative is like a tangible product, a software, things like that, but figure out what your strategy is, figure out like who you are, how you fit in the market, where you don't fit in the market. What's your tone of voice? You know, all these brand architectural things that, you know, will hopefully clearly push you into this like creative phase. Which is, you know, sometimes the more fun phase, but that phase is important, don't get me wrong, but it's also important to have this backbone that helps push the the creative to be as great as it could be.
1: Right, yeah. I think sometimes people can just get excited and say, you know, let's make a logo, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but wait, who are we for? Like, who is this meant to appeal to? What is our product? What isn't it? You know, knowing how you want to position it first helps then guide the visual identity. Yeah, exactly.
2: And, you know, with strategy, you can help, extract some keywords, you know, that may help push what the creative is, you know, you can do sort of your like mood board phase, or you know, whatever the case may be. A lot of creatives have their different type of working style. But for me, it's let's define what the strategy is, it's a long phase, sometimes maybe not the most fun or exciting, but I think it needs to be done in order to really set you up for success. And then uh, from there, yeah, let's have the creative fun. Your logos, your colors, your visual references, packaging—you know, whatever it ends up being. But you got to start with strategy first and help define that, and then venture elsewhere.
1: Yeah. So, question on that—you know, at what Mm -hmm. part do you consider any competitors to that product? Because you know, I think that's an important part of your overall brand strategy. Could be looking at how the existing market is showing up. You know, especially on the visual side, if everyone's operating in a sea of blue or green. Like, how can you be different?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like in the strategy phase too. You know, I like to outline, again, if you like a tangible product, like what other products are in that market and kind of high level speak about what makes them different, whether it's the colors or, you know, illustrative elements, things like that. But that's kind of like in the early strategy phase. And then, um, you know, kind of reiterate that fact once creative comes out and, uh, you know, kind of do a comparison. But I would say in that like initial strategy phase.
1: So you mentioned how thinking about what type of product it is can matter, and you've particularly done a lot on the consumer packaged goods side, CPG, so I know that a huge part of that can be the packaging. You know, that's what lures people in.
2: Sure, yeah. I
1: recently had a chat with the founder of a soda alternative company called Poppy, and literally the only reason I initially tried it was because I loved the packaging design when I saw it. And it really just caught my attention. So what's your approach like to that? How do you think about package design as a potential differentiator?
2: So I also worked at this agency that was pretty heavy within CPG. And any project that we would take on, they would always talk about this like unofficial written rule of like 10 to 15 feet. So basically, whether you're on an aisle, whether you're in your living room, outside, if you could recognize something within 10 to 15 feet of it, then, you know, I think you're doing a good job. Right, And so with packaging projects in particular, and perfect example, Poppy, you could recognize that from arguably longer or further away than 15 feet. So it's kind of starting there. And, uh, you know, whether it's you're basing it off a of color, or like a very bold logo type, or a luster development, I think a clear visual identity is really what helps push it. And yeah, you know, 90% of consumers buy something based off the way it looks. But then, you know, the hope is that, a consumer would like it, and then you know, you're know kind of hooked.
1: Right, yeah, and I think that's a really good point. I've never heard that 10 to 15 foot rule before, mm-hmm. but it makes a ton of sense because you know sometimes the logo is so much smaller that you actually need to see the full picture at once and be able to quickly identify that. Like, yes, I recognize that color. I recognize that illustration. It's this brand that I know. I'm gonna go check it out.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've been working on a new product that's hopefully launching Q4, Knock on Wood. It's in the men's self-care space. And so when it came time to look into creative and packaging, honestly, I went to aisles first of every major department store. Now, granted, they're going to be online focused for sure, like for launch, which is great. But long term, they want to be on the shelf. So I started there, you know, just walk the shelves, walk the aisles, see what colors are being used, see what colors aren't being used. And that's where I started with the color palette for them. It's very easy to think about being online first. But at the same time, I want to get into an issue where potentially we'll have to redesign packaging in order for it to stand out on shelf.
1: Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And also it's like, I've seen that happen with logo design where you might design it in a way that looks really good on your website, but it's like, how will this then translate when it's on merch or when it's somewhere at an event Exactly. Um, or, you know, in a different context, you know, with all the different contexts that a design element could come to life in. You know, I think just thinking about that from the onset, not just doing something that looks good on your website, but may not work everywhere else.
2: Last year, I did a kind of like a design sprint for another uh, CPG brand that started online, grew immensely, and are going into department stores and had to do complete redesign of the packaging because you could barely notice it on shelf in a store. So that's why I think with this one that's coming out, you know, knock on one Q4, started with the shelf first, and then you know you kind of work backwards. But the hope is that you know long term, whenever that time may be, which could be, I don't know, within a year, who knows? you know hopefully it'll for sure stand out on the shelf,
1: awesome. Yeah. I think with package design, you know that's a huge component in creating a visual identity, but you can also bring that look and feel to life in other ways. And you know campaigns that lean really heavily on photography and establishing you know what our what our photography should look like, what our style is there is another form that you can communicate that. Mm -hmm. So how have you worked with, whether it was founders or marketing teams before on any ad campaigns? And what were some of your favorite campaigns or ways that you've partnered with those kinds of teams and any advice you have?
2: Sure. So it's for sure a team effort. I will never take credit for being in charge of some type of campaign because it's not just me. Mm -hmm. There's producers, there's stylists, there's copywriters, there's project managers. There are so many layers in order to get a campaign out the door whether it is like you know a tv spot or a social campaign you know things like that so there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen usually which you know can be a good thing and a bad thing but 9 times out of 10 from like a strategy point of view it's working alongside copywriters brand strategists if that person is available and other creatives too designers art directors illustrators things like that videographers you know again there's so many layers to it but one project that I've been a huge fan of that I did a couple of years ago is with mm-hmm. Um So a buddy of mine is the uh, creative director over there. And at the time, they were launching these marketing collaborations with the MLS. And so I'm a huge soccer guy, but played soccer my whole life, went to high school for soccer, college for soccer. And so I was like a kid in the candy store. And so what we were able to do it was figure out like a visual identity for what these campaigns would look like was able to shoot at various locations within the states here, capturing games, live audiences, fans. And for me, it was also trying to see it from a fan's point of view because, you know, a lot of times with creative, especially within the sports world, it can be like so specific and so staged in a way where uh, a lot lot of the assets that we were trying to produce were from like strictly a fan's point of view. The behind the scenes, the very unscripted, candid moments. And so when we started to do that within the MLS, It also naturally translated into the other big four, like the NFL, the NBA. And so it was kind of like a natural progression into these other tiers. And uh, it was a lot of fun to work on.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great point, too. If you're doing a partnership type campaign like that, you have to consider, you know, there's one brand, this other brand. How can they come together in a way that feels authentic to both? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, doesn't stretch either brand in too much of a direction. For sure. And to your point around working with so many different kinds of people and roles on a campaign like that. And there's a lot of founders listening here who may not have had the level of brand and creative experience that you have, but need to partner with people like you. So what advice would you give on others for how to work with creative teams? I think that's a a hot topic because... You know, a lot of this can feel subjective. Sure. So what advice do you have for them on how they can share feedback?
2: For sure. I mean, you said it correctly. I mean, it's super subjective. What you like, I may not like and vice versa. And so in my experience, I think there's two key words to really help with feedback. And it's clear and just being completely honest. And, you know, over the years, you learn to accept feedback, especially from a designer point of view. It's half the battle throughout every project type that you're going to take on, whether you're just fresh from school or someone like ourselves. So I think clear and honest feedback is really what helps. If something needs to change for whatever reason, speak as honestly about it as you can. It takes time to be able to clearly articulate what the end result needs to be. And I still work on that daily. I'm not perfect with feedback by any means. But, you know, honesty really does go a long way. If you don't like the layout of a spread, for example, what don't you like about it? Is it the image? Is it the typeface? Is it? Yeah. Is it the headline? Is it the colors? (laughs) It's really hard to respond from a design point of view with a response so blunt as that. Um, You know, you need to really deep dive into a little bit further as to what's like wrong or what's not working and try to make ends meet and have a great end result.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I also feel like things that have been helpful to me, at least in that context, is really, Mm -hmm. you know, at the onset of a campaign or a project to get more initial alignment around the strategy, like you talked about, you know, having the strategy before you get into the creative. So what do we want to accomplish with this? What is the goal? Like, what would success look like for this? Get everybody on board with that. And then it sometimes, you know, helps when, when you're getting feedback from, you know, other directions to be able to say, okay. You know, if someone isn't feeling a certain designer direction, what examples do you like? (laughs) Like, are there things that we should be emulating more or something that you'd feel more comfortable with? You know, getting all of that earlier on is as helpful as possible. But you want to avoid, hey, here's the final asset. Here's the final video. Okay, let's start all over again.
2: Yeah, exactly. You're totally right.
1: So let's shift gears a little bit. You know, as I mentioned earlier on, you've started up your own company now. And, you know, I think it's interesting because you've had all this experience working with other D2C brands, and now you're starting up your own. So tell us a little bit about Sunny and what inspired you to start it. Yeah,
2: yeah, super pumped. So Sunny, like every great idea, started in a group chat amongst friends, and it started almost two years ago. So Sunny is a tequila-based seltzer. And, you know, it's not like a new product or inventive product, very much of the now, but... It's a product that my wife and I make at home in our kitchen on the weekends, and a handful of these had popped up a couple of years ago. And selfishly, I just like didn't like any of them. And so I'd send pictures of, of the different brands to my friends, and like, yeah, we didn't like that either. And you know, you joke about, oh, let's just start our own. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, with my background in not necessarily just within the beverage world, I don't know, I felt pretty confident that take a shot in the dark and try to do something here.
1: Awesome, I love that. I mean, a lot of times, starting a company comes from being frustrated with the options that exist and just wanting to improve it and make the space better. Yeah, and I'd love to understand a little bit. Where did the name come from? Like, how did you land at that one? I like the name Sunny. I'm just curious what the story behind it is.
2: Yeah, yeah, Sunny. So, uh, so it's indirectly named after my uncle. So, so I'm half Mexican, and my uncle Vicente Pena. I've always known in my whole entire life as Uncle Sonny. Now he's a junior. So my great grandfather. Vicente. And so Uncle Sonny. Now the kind of long form version of that is also I just did like a business name generator online. And so basically what you do is you like <laughs> type in, yeah, you like type in keywords that you think help define what your product is. Sunshine, easy, you know, whatever these like keywords may be. And it spits out hundreds of words that are kind of like stylized like a logotype. And Sunny came up. And, you know, just kind of using it a sentence, something was like, kind of clicking and then was talking to my dad about it two years ago. And he's like, you know, you have uncle Sonny, right? I was like, Oh yeah. (laughs) So then that was like aha moment. So sat down, went through the whole trademark process, registered that and got full approval of it December of 20. And you know, here we are now. So that's why I like to say it's like indirectly named after my uncle Sonny, because technically you can't trademark a name. So yeah Yeah,
1: no i mean Mm -hmm. that's interesting i think the mexico connection there's a lot of things that make sense there for sure to your point around trademark i think sometimes founders can fall in love with a certain brand name and then find out hey the domain doesn't exist social handles are taken oh yeah trademark's not available all those things so it makes sense to kind of check all those areas out before you fall too in love with the name and get down the road too far
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as you hear a word that, you know, you think you're like stoked on, right. like you're saying, then you're like, oh, let's check out the social handles, check out domain names. They're still available. Cool. But then you go to the trademark and it's not. So with all things sunny, I started with the trademark process because I didn't want to get to a point where design's all good, all this stuff, and then I have to start from square one again. So yeah, so if there's any advice I could give to someone starting something new, start with the trademark process. It takes a while, but I promise you it'll be worth it in the long run because, you know, you don't want to have to redo something at some point in time.
1: Right. And you can just search those and do some of that yourself online. Obviously, yeah. it's you know it would be best to work with an attorney and we're we're not lawyers here on this call. Yeah, no, no. Um, but I will say one learning from trademarks is that you can mark a term for a particular meaning. Yeah. And so you can have one word that's trademarked against different meanings. Sure. So, you know, take a look at it. And if it's taken, you make sure you chat with an attorney and figure out what the best case scenario is for you there. There are some options.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's so many things you could do.
1: Yeah. So going into it, you talked that there were a couple of adjectives or words that you put into that generator to come up with the name. Yeah. So what do you think about as the brand values of Sunny as you're building this out? Like, are there certain adjectives or things that serve as guideposts that you want to come through with your packaging and your future marketing campaigns?
2: Sure. So I would say artistic is a good one. Artistic, easy. And then lastly, traditional. Traditional in the sense of like, I mean, I'm half Mexican. It's a product born from Mexico, comes from Mexico. I'm also injecting bits of my heritage into things as well. But yeah, I think those are probably three quick adjectives that hopefully over time will define Sunny. You know, it's not an overnight thing. It's certainly a progression to get these adjectives to define what your brand is. But I like those three.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Like you kind of need to establish some initial guidance there. Like recognize this may not be where we are today, but this is an aspirational value or something we hope to grow into. For sure. Because then that can help determine all the little steps you take along the way to reach that. And you know, when you want to be seen as artistic or traditional, what are the little steps you can take to ladder up to that vision?
2: For sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I have all these thoughts for, you know, knock on when the time comes to flip drinksany.com to e com capabilities and certainly injecting a lot more of these like traditional Mexican items. But yeah, you know, one day at a time.
1: So, Sean, you've been a founder of a creative studio and now you're a founder of a, a D2C business operation. <laughs> So what has that been like for you to kind of expand and to grow into other parts of building a brand?
2: Sure. It's a roller coaster for sure. You know, my background is in very traditional graph design and brand marketing. You know, I kind of understood the production side of beverage making or whatever you want to call it. But sales and distribution is certainly a new one that I'm learning on a day-to-day basis because I do everything. I place the order for orders for retailers. I go into liquor stores or retailers, meet and greets, showcase the brand, things like that. So I mean, it's hard. It's not easy by any means. But at the same time, I feel like I'm like more interested in that side of the business right now than I am the like design and marketing side, because it is so new.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a learning experience as you go and you got to stretch yourself and all kinds of directions, but Sean, thank you for sharing more about Sunny. Yeah. Wish you only the best as you grow that out. And if folks want to learn more, you can check out Drink Sunny. That's S O N N Y dot com. So now to wrap things up, we're going to move into a little bit of a lightning round. So a couple quick questions. And first, Sean, what is an e-commerce brand, and it can't be one that you work with directly that you're really into right now?
2: So. I would say it's not necessarily like right now, per se, but it's more so things that I use on a daily basis. And they're mostly, I would say, evolve around like self-care. So like, for example, a buddy of mine that I worked with at Bonobo started by Humankind. I use their mouthwash tablets literally every day. Them as a brand, love the aesthetic. It's a great product. And then I use a lot of Harry's products as well. Not just because I used to work there, but you know I, I do like their products. So I would say them from... I would say like a fashion point of view, there's this brand in New York called yellow label and it's just like really simple, well-made basics. Yeah. Slightly, slightly oversized. And, uh, I've been, I mean, my whole, I'm not wearing it right now, but my whole wardrobe is literally t-shirts. I mean, they're shorts, they're sweatpants. And, uh, I feel like there's probably others I could list. but
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think going back to something you said before, you chatted about how quality in a product matters to create that kind of brand love. So you know, everything you just talked about there, how you really like the quality of the fabric, you know, that's at the core of why you like that brand really. So moving on, lightning round, since you are a designer, I have to ask this question. What sure. is your favorite font? And I know this can all change over time. So what's the font that you're really feeling right now? And then what's a font that maybe you just wish would go away forever?
2: Go away forever. That's a good one. So as of right now, so I would say there's two. And I'll say like Sans and Serif. So Sans point of view, I love Banana Grotesque. It's been around for, I don't know, maybe five years now, I would say. Kind of on like the quieter end. I used it for brand identity for this like new product that's coming out Q4. Characters are like slightly quirky, which I think is nice from a Serif point of view. It's actually one that I'm using for Sunny. It's called Editorial New. And uh, just like a very classic serif. Looks great. All sizes. I would say probably those two for now.
1: Ooh, okay. I had to Google that one. I love that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's another kind of sans floating around called Favorite. F-A-V-O-R-I-T. Multiple weights, multiple styles. But I would say those two for now. One to go away. I don't know. You know, Gotham got like so much hate because so many people used it. It's used like all over the place. But I don't know, you know, it's a good typeface, but you know, there's so many other ones out right now, but I feel like I'd probably say that. I don't know if that's like a hot take or not, but. (laughs)
1: No, no, I think that's more of a hot take than like Comic Sans. Everyone goes to Comic Sans or Papyrus as their least favorite. So it's a little different. All right. So moving on to our last question, where do you go for inspiration?
2: I would say the quickest answer is just get off the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many resources online, so many things you can reference, so many things you can Google, you know, this and that, but honestly, just like getting off the computer can go a long way. And, you know, I'm not saying you need to like take this walk in the park and, you know, all these like crazy things people say to do It's because not everybody does that or has the ability to do that. But, you know, sometimes the most random ideas for me come from like when I'm playing ice hockey or like driving in the car or listening to music or you know, just playing with my girls. So I would say, yeah, like get off the computer and, you know, kind of let your mind wander a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the hard parts of working in brand is sometimes when you feel like you need to be creative on demand Yeah, and you can't really force yourself (laughs) all the time. So you need to find those moments where you can just be a little bit more relaxed or, you know, let your brain kind of wander into places where you can come up with a really great idea out of nowhere. And you know, that's hard to do without making that downtime sometime. So, you know, wanna thank you so, so much for joining Sean. It's been really fun to get to connect again and to hear more of what you're working on.
2: I mean, I can't thank you enough. Hey
1: everybody, thanks for tuning into this episode of Brand Builders. If you have any ideas or feedback, you can reach me at Brands by Brooke on Twitter. And if you wanna get in touch with Sean for any creative direction needs as you build out your brand, head over to design by number nine, that's N-O and then the number nine, N-O-9.com. Have a great rest of your day.